Good afternoon. The Dharma and learning are both organic. And what we need to do, I, I like the dialogue in the beginning or before the beginning about what's going to happen at the movies and who's going to be there and what movie are we going to see. Are we going to have popcorn? Because that's a clear representation of how the moment is. You know, we have we come in with our preconceptions about what, what it's going to be, but we really don't know. And what we have to do is train ourselves to live in that space of unknowingness, to not insist that it be the way we think it's going to be. So... We made a pledge at the beginning of the year to do better, to acknowledge our resolutions and to hold to them, to allow them to guide us in our daily existence. So how are we doing? Is anyone finding their resolutions easy to follow? How how do I stop? How do I just have words come out of my mouth that aren't creating suffering as well as honoring uh, the moment without it ending in some level of frustration or dukkha um, or just having to just walk away, you know, get more skillful in, in the moment as it occurs and having a, a larger menu. Grace our truth. But when we find, in my opinion, that that creates a disturbance in the other, in the associate, in the relationship, that I am willing to let go of my point of view, my truth, and just let the other relax in theirs. And it is not up to me to teach them because reality, Samsara will teach them ultimately. It's not I don't need to teach them. I don't need to make sure they know that they're wrong or incorrect. So, it's about being quiet. It's about realizing that what I just said stirred something up, and I didn't come here to do that. You know, so let me be quiet. Let me let, me let peace seep back into the moment. Yeah? And what I have to say or what I believe in is not that important that I enforce it and make the other swallow it. That I love them enough to let them have their point of view too. Hmm? Okay. Sometimes it's just hard for us to shut up. Okay. Uh, it seemed like I was coasting a little bit. 
after the beginning of the year, and then um, and then the roller coaster decided to take a dive, and I'm still descending, but hopefully ascending soon. Uh, it's constant up and down, but longer spouts, I guess. The pattern has always seemed to be good, not so good, good, not so good. And I'm really trying to balance it out so it'll become even in its experience with me. Yeah. So I'm glad to see you observing that it's not as steep and erratic as it used to be. And that demonstrates practicing and observing the fruits of your practice. This is how we understand that we're making progress by seeing that things are different than they used to be. I used to do this. I used to feel this way when this happened. And I don't feel that way anymore. Or I feel less of that way than I used to. And to keep on encouraging yourself to take those breaths, live in those spaces of peace and quietness. Okay, so very good. Why do we feel discomfort or suffering or stress? Why do we feel that? Is it necessary? Yes. Um, I feel because for me, the conditions are not in my favor. Okay. And so, what have we expressed when we say that the conditions or the moment is not the way we'd like it to be or not in my favor? What, what are we really expressing? What are we identifying? Something more basic than that. Crazy. Something more basic than that. Who's craving? Is there, is there a person to crave? Yeah, a sense of self, a sense of I. I don't like what's going on. I don't like what that person said to me. I don't like the way things are. I, I, want, them to, I want them to be different. As soon as we can identify that, that I, that self, And let it go. We will find things to be a lot different. Why why is there suffering? Why is there stress? Why do I feel so bad on Tuesdays and feel better on Wednesdays and then feel bad again on Thursdays? Why does this happen to me? That's a question, not a rhetorical question. Why is it happening? Why does it continue to happen? What is the key component that makes it occur? The condition that makes it occur? Someone said it. But what is the self doing, though? Craving. Yeah, self is craving. So let's go back and remind ourselves what suffering is. So out of the Samyutta Nikaya, it says, 
Now this is the noble truth of suffering. Birth is suffering. Aging is suffering. Illness is suffering. Death is suffering. Union with what is displeasing is suffering. Separation from what is pleasing is suffering. Not to get what one wants is suffering. In brief, the five aggregates subject to clinging are suffering. It's about reminding ourselves that reality has never been and will never be exactly the way we want it to be. It'll never be perfect in our eyes because we're always wanting what we don't have. If we, if we are okay with what we have, we don't suffer. We're okay. If we learn to express our gratitude with what we have as opposed to complaining or feeling a need for what we don't have. And that is rolled into all of the different realities that we can consider. You know, my mom didn't do this, my dad didn't do that. Yes. I want to want what I have, so I'll always have what I want. Okay. Yeah. Is it working for you? Sounds it sounds great. So so the point is, you know, lots of times we have these very really neat sayings that we embrace. These these It's an ongoing process of working with it. Okay. It keeps me out of trouble. Oh and, and that's wonderful. What I'd like for all of you to do as research is to study dependent origination. Remember what we are trying to do here. We're trying to develop a direction for ourselves individually, not to follow anyone else necessarily, because we all have our different problems, issues. We're, we're all different, yet the same. But we have our different reasons and expressing and expressions for craving. We don't hold on to the same things. We don't value the same things. The same things are not important to all of us. But the first thing we have to do is get on the path, to, to be headed in the right direction, to have the right saying that motivates us every time we come up against an obstacle that will be energized by our faith and our confidence and the belief that what we are saying to ourselves, the the um, 
Mm. Can't think of the word. The the inspiration that we are reciting silently to ourselves really works. I mean, you know, we we don't want to have a a slogan or an idea that we recite in times of trouble, a prayer. And at the same time, we've got our fingers crossed behind our back. I hope this works. I hope this works. We want to develop one that has given us the confidence and the faith that it does work when I remind myself how to govern myself in a situation. The path. What we're talking about is how to break a habit. You know, how to do this thing differently this time. And somehow I find myself doing it the same way every time and coming up with the same results every time and thinking that if I do it one more time, I will have a different result. And we know what that is. That's crazy. So we have to know the path. We have to know that this is the right way. This is the correct way. This is the proven way to bring peace to my existence. That I don't need anyone else to change, be different. I am on the path. I have to be different. And the craving begins to stop when I start to understand the ignorance of my vision about existence itself. Believing that if I just say this or if I just act this way or if I'm just this kind of person, everyone will like me. Everyone will behave. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, got a whole room full of children. And I'm the only adult. You know, I'm the only one that really knows what's going on here. But no one wants to listen to me. They're all running around like cats. But again, why do I suffer because they're running around like cats? It's because I'm craving that they do something different than they're doing. The path. I have to know that my feet are on the path. The way that's really going to develop and make this year different than all of the other years that I've lived to my knowledge. But how do I make it different? By being different. By not being the same person that I was last year. Can I expect this year to be different if I'm the same person I was last year? I've got to change. I've got to make the transition. Not anyone around me. They've always been around me. 
or someone like them. What it takes is for us to look around and see that the faces and personalities that are surrounding us are entirely different than the ones that were there last year. But somehow my world is to say, how is that possible? I've got the same issues, the same disturbances. How is that possible? Everyone around me is different. Everyone around me has changed. Well, then the only constant is me. Oh, no, it can't be me. No. No, it's got to be one of these guys out here. Yes. I have a one uh, awakening experience last week while I was listening to Vanti uh, on video. Mm-hmm. He was talking about, very seriously, about karma. And I just, you know, I grow up with a, a society where it all oh, that's this karma, karma, karma. So I didn't really give much attention to last week. Then I began to realize it's a very simple thing about this karma. That's another, uh, this year's resolution. I realized things that we complain or like this way or, oh, I didn't want this way. All these things, when I see it, that's just sort of karma that we're talking about. So the more we have an aversion to something we can't do anything about, and it's here, just like weather or, you know, power failure, all sorts of things. And if I, when I start to see through this word karma and something that is comes, I realize that's another surrounding. Good. <laughs> this word karma. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm happy that he made it simple for you because it's not simple for most people. It's very, it's very difficult. Well, just make sure now that you don't insist that other people see it simply too. It is a very difficult. As a matter of fact, there's a quotation in the, in the suttas and the teachings that say that only enlightened beings can understand karma. There's the idea and then we're going to come out of this. But there's the idea that if I do good, good happens. Well, we've all lived long enough to know that that ain't true. So, there you go. That that just knocks karma right there. But there's a common sense that says it's better to believe that there's a heaven and act accordingly than not to act accordingly and find out there is one. Dependent origination will help you see how volition, karma, affects the next moment. It will help you understand that the reason that we have so much trouble is because we don't intervene 
at the opportunistic time that we wait until we have become fully inflamed with the emotion, whether it be fear or anger or worry or anxiety or whatever. And what is so glaringly present is that at that point in our intervention, that's where it's most difficult to deal with. Where I have full-blown anger or full-blown fear or full-blown depression or full-grown sorrow. But in looking at the schematic, looking at the unfolding of dependent origination, I see that way back down the line before I become the eye that's angry, the angry eye or the fearful eye or the sorrowful eye, there's a place where I can turn the switch off. And this, none of this happens because all of this is happening because there were conditions that were set in place to allow this to happen. There were seeds that were planted. There were things that were fertilized. Because when we think about all of the missteps we've had in relationships, it's about fertilizer. It isn't about wisdom. It's about crap. And if we realize where we can turn this off and how it's much easier to turn it off here than to wait until the fire is burning the house down to then try to put it out. You see, that's where you begin to allow it to go to. Where your mom had to get up and actually turn off the TV to bring peace back into the house. House is burning down. Now I'll put some water on it. I'll make it different. When I could have just been quiet, once I looked at my mom's face and saw there was a difference, a change, that what I was saying upset at her. Oh, you're all right. You're okay. Just sit and breathe, you know. Not to her, to me. Okay. So the studying of dependent origination, Pratikcha Samyupada, will help us see where that is and will remind us in the future where we can abort this way I'm going, this way I'm thinking, this way I'm conversing with you so that it doesn't burn the house down. So I can stop it before the smoke alarm goes off. Because the simple schematic, the Four Noble Truths, Just look at dependent origination as a 
an extension. Because that's all it is, is the Four Noble Truths. Suffering and the absence of suffering. If there was no remedy, there would be no point in any of this. There would be no point in us gathering and talking and working together and supporting each other. But because there is an escape from this foolishness that we perpetuate from year to year, from resolution to resolution. And what we need to do, I think, in my opinion, is to remind ourselves that we do have an escape. That every time we start to feel tight in the chest and sick in the gut, that we would go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, I don't have to do this. And right away, that lets you let go of your intention to get more and more involved in the illness of suffering. That my view is so important that I've got to hold on to it, even though it's making me toxic and making me sick. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to argue for it. I'm going to bowl you over with my knowledge and wisdom. Yeah? That's the point where we remind ourselves, well, wait a minute. If I'm feeling this way, I am not practicing. That I'm allowing myself to be carried away by the moment. I'm not here. I'm not in control. I'm not practicing. And again, I want to remind you that this thing about being in control doesn't mean that it's going to go your way. That's not what it's about. It's about being in control of knowledge. Understanding the way this works. I don't know if this is craving for me. Was there a point when the arising of very clear, specific wisdom, not necessarily yours, but just very direct, craving for the moment of kind of magical that those are the perfect expression of the moment. Craving for anything that you don't have causes problems. It's problematic. Because remember, as soon as I crave for what I don't have, I'm acknowledging my poverty. So I don't have wisdom if I'm craving for wisdom. I'm saying I don't have it. Wisdom, to me, is shutting up when I realize it's not present. To stop talking about it, right? (laughs) Okay. 
Paticca Samyupada, Dependent Origination. There might be some books on the bookshelf, maybe. Are they? Do you know? You're not? Okay. <laughs> there might be some books. If not, um, Google. Yes. Sure. I obviously deal with a lot of anger. And um, I hear from different sources that if you suppress the anger, and I already saw your eyes. <laughs> no, really. I believe you. The fire can be like a spark. The fire can happen so quickly you can't even stop it. It's now engulfed the entire forest. No. Sometimes the fire takes a little bit to go. Mm-hmm. Once it gets catches, mm-hmm. it's gone. Mm-hmm. That's true. So I understand the anger is not me. Mm-hmm. But if we do suppress it, it can become ignited even more quickly. True. So how do you balance that? You don't get angry. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. It is, it is a it is a human habit. Anger mobilizes. There is a purpose for anger. What's the purpose? Okay. All right. All right. Now this is what I have to say about this, and you can mull this over. There is another way to work with the force or the energy of anger. And that is to teach mind how to go to a different place. And this is a part of the practice. So this is what I was talking about, about dependent origination. I can continue to, in a lot of disciplines, talk about embracing anger or other emotions so we get to know them. Well, we already know what anger is and what it feels like and what it does to our relationship with the other. But there's another way that I can deal with anger. I can start to replace the energy of anger with the energy of love. It's antithesis. And this is the practice. And again, the craving and the argument in the mind says, that person doesn't deserve my love. I'm going to be angry with that person because they don't deserve my love. They haven't done what I consider beneficial for me to love them. All of the wisdom paths tell us that no matter what a person does, no matter what a person says, no matter what or how I define that person as a person, I should love them. Especially when they're acting up on me. That I should love them. That I shouldn't, there's no benefit for me getting angry with them or at them. Nothing is resolved and nothing is solved by that. 
that whole concept of turning the other cheek. Yes? What you just said was very helpful to me. There's no benefit in getting angry. I've experienced that in my own life. Is I seldom feel good after I get angry. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying what we need to do is to see if we can use other methods to achieve a different response to the situation. If if being angry works for you, then be angry. I'm only suggesting because I know something. I've had experiences with anger. I was in my young teenage and adult and existence, I was a very angry person. Wasn't very happy, but I was very angry. And I was good at it. In other words, I was one of those people that you didn't want to make angry. I was good at anger. I was good at letting you feel the anger that I felt. But ultimately, it never felt better for me when I let it, when I spewed my anger out on you. I never felt better. never felt relieved or released or empty. I felt sad. I felt embarrassed. You know, because I acted in ways that didn't make any sense to me, much less to the situation. Having thoughts of love on a constant basis, not when you're confronted with the enemy, so to speak, the antagonist, so to speak, but just when it's quiet in your room by yourself, you think about love. You begin to see yourself acting in loving ways in those moments when before, you hit fight or flight mode. 
that that is equal to making a fire break or spraying water on the grass, on the lawn, so it doesn't catch fire. That when I'm thinking about and when I have pre-nourished my heart and my soul with love and kindness, it's much more difficult for me to get angry at the situation. Now, one of the things to do, one of the things that's required is to, first of all, remind myself that nobody made me angry. It's all my stuff. All my stuff. And this empowers me because now I'm not a hand puppet. You know, when someone else does this or says this, then I automatically respond with, with, with some knee-jerk thing. That I am the master of my moment. There is nothing wrong with suffering. It's a part of the malu. It's a part of the soup. Whether we decide to suffer or not, we will see it out in the world. But I'm telling you, what will happen is when you see others suffer, you go, boy, if they only knew how great life was in the absence of that stress. Suffering isn't wrong. That's obvious because so many people suffer. It's not an inhuman experience. It's a human experience. But just remind yourself, just remember that suffering is optional. You don't have to suffer. And of course, what this does in your memory and in your reminding yourself that suffering is optional is you don't become a pain in the ass with others. Meaning that if other people choose to suffer, let them be. Don't come on like any kind of Holy Ghost kind of thing. You know, well, you know, I've got a remedy for you. I've got a, you know, all you got to do is do this and sit and cross your legs and be mindful and breathe in and breathe out. That's all you have to do. You know, that's, that's a holier-than-thou thing. But it is also our, our love and kindness that inserts into that the fact that it's optional. You, you can suffer if you want. And when you play the suffering game, because that's what it is, and that's who you are, it goes away eventually. You stop being angry eventually. Until you think about those guys again that made you angry, and, and you're angry all over again. And they're not even in, the, in your reality. 
They're in the car up the street. They're in tomorrow the next day. Being in a loving position, in a loving state of mind and kindness and compassion doesn't necessarily mean that the people around you are going to be kind and and more supportive of you. But when you're in that state, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. I no longer need your energy, your loving energy, because I'm manufacturing my own. I'm generating my own. So that's one less thing I have to be angry at you about, that you're not giving me the love that I want to have, that I feel empty inside. Keep working at it. And one day you will wake up sick and tired of being sick and tired. One day. It'll happen. Maybe an old person. Maybe gray hair, no teeth. No hair on your head. But it'll happen one day. Or not. I have met people. I have known people who died being angry, who never let go of it, who held tightly to it, all the way up to their last breath. What a shame. What a waste of life. But hey, that was their choice, and I love them anyway. So... Meditate, meditate, meditate. Make the inclination of your minds about compassion and kindness and love and joy. See if it makes a difference. If it doesn't, no harm. You've got the rest of your life to be angry and you know, um, hardcore. I find it very interesting. I spent most of my life learning how to kill people. I taught martial arts, personal defense. And I spent most of my young life learning how to hurt people and maim people. And now I've got all of that knowledge inside of me and I can't do anything with it. Can't use it. But with all of that, my world is much better off. I'm not I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel deprived because I can't use this thing. A lot of sweat, a lot of money, not a practice. 
And I think I said this to my friend Amy when we were talking about anger. I said, remember that the person who you're angry with is there to teach you how not to be angry. How to choose a different emotion to embrace. That's all. Okay. Everybody practice. Everybody. May all beings be liberated from suffering. May we be well. May we be happy. May we be peaceful. May no harm come to us. May no difficulties come to us. May all of our problems be resolved. And may we have enough love left over to share with others if we can. Thank you so much. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.